This is Bedside, a podcast series on a mission to debunk sex. I'm your host, Tatiana, and each week we'll uncover stories, ideas, routines, and expert information to help guide you on your ever-evolving journey of good sex. We believe that through democratizing sexual wellness, we can shift cultural taboos and make way for authentic and limitless access to pleasure, joy, and connection to the body. On the podcast today, I'm in conversation with Julie Archambault, the founder of Co-Creative, which is a business dedicated to supporting individuals and couples in understanding the connections between sex, relationships, personal growth, innovation, creativity, and empowerment in all areas of your life. Julie is also the author of Sex Up Your Life, The Mind-Blowing Path to True Intimacy, Healing, and Hope. As a holistic teacher and healing coach, Julie shares a behind-the-veil view of the real nature of sex, the patterns that show up in your life, and how you can learn to speak its language. On today's episode, Julie delves into the ways in which we can co-create with our patterns for better sex and relationships. We cover what it looks like to go from disconnected to connected sex, mapping our sexual biography, the role of epigenetics on our intimacy, and breaking intergenerational patterns. This conversation will leave you with an entirely new perspective on your sex life and how we can just better understand the ways in which to embrace intimacy, love, relationships, and pleasure. Please welcome Julie Archambault to the podcast. Julie, I am thrilled to have you on the Bedside Podcast today. I just found your work and I knew that this was an amazing conversation I wanted to have with you. So I just want to give you a super warm welcome. Thanks so much. I love the name of your podcast, Bedside. It's so intimate and kind and gentle at the same time. (laughs) And it could be all kinds of other things too. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. The name has been one of my favorite parts of this creative process. And I feel like it helped evolve a lot of the stories that I want to tell and the interviews I want to have. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. I think first and foremost, I just kind of want to check in with you and ask you how you're doing lately. I know that we've been kind of living in a really wild world. So I just want to check in and see how things are. It's really this period where I'm just really grounding myself and trying to find my peace amongst all the craziness. Because the more you dig, the more you look, you're like, the more like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> and the more you connect the dots too, you're like, oh, you know, and you and you're someone who actually has self-reflection and, you know, inquisitive and curious and don't take things just as face value. You sort of start seeing, wow, there's this really odd picture that is getting painted right now for us. I know. I totally hear you. I think a big realization for me is as I've uncovered in the pandemic, I've realized how much of a sensitive being I am. And I never would have thought of myself as that pre-pandemic. But now I'm realizing how just attuned I am to the little cultural waves and undercurrents that I think some people don't pick up on as easily. So it's been an interesting time. Before we get into our conversation today, which I really can't wait for, it's really all about co-creation. And I'll kind of let you take the floor on that later and just tease everybody now. But before we get into that conversation, I really just want to hear from you about what your cultural upbringing was like 
what your messaging around sex and relationships was like, whether you were taught or modeled anything at home or what you got in terms of sex education at school. So I'd kind of just love to get a little groundwork there about what that was like. If I start with my mother's side, my mother's side is more the Anglophone side of the family, which we say in Canada, English speaking. My grandmother, she came when she was maybe 10 years old from Ireland to live with an aunt on a boat all the way across the Atlantic. And my intuition actually is that something happened to her on that trip because she was just with like male chaperones the whole way over. And there's so many little red flags and little conversation, little moments that I had with my grandmother around maybe sexuality, around dating men, just seeing how she was. And she was completely in love with her husband. And at the same time, they slept in different beds. So I was always really curious about this. And the Irish background, if you in certain environments, it can be very harsh. I've been reading some novels of the Irish culture around sexuality can be so tight or very judgmental, very, you know, it's a very loaded history there. So I feel like from my mother's lineage, I felt like there was something that we got around sexuality that was, it's scary, it's dangerous, it's, you know, watch out kind of thing, or like they might be taking advantage of you. Yeah, like be on alert. Exactly. And then from my father's side, who's like the French Canadian family, French Canadians are very gregarious, very warm, they love their sensuality and everything. And at the same time, the Catholic Church also was very present in my dad's upbringing in a way, too. And then there's this other layer that I feel is actually very important, too, is that I think in both sides of my family, the women had very strong energies. One on the mother's side, it was stifled with this bad experience that made it like, hey, this is dangerous. And then on the other side, the women were very beautiful and strong. But at the same time, the men seemed to like controlling them. So there was a big kind of control programming there. And then at the same time, the men had a self-worth thing where they have to prove themselves. And it can also mean proving themselves sexually or any other way, but just needing to prove themselves. So I, as the receiver of all this culture and messaging, I felt like, oh my God, I had to sort of unravel all of this to get to a place of freedom around it. And I also realized in my own biography, you know, we inherit these things, but oftentimes we also just have patterns that we produce in our own lifetimes, things that have happened to our families. So I also had my boundaries crossed starting when I was great and not great. When I was six years old, something happened. And then there's just like little transgressions all the time where I felt like I couldn't fully, like, it's like if I was like being taken from, you know, different situations. And at the same time, I also knew that a very strong energy. And I love telling the story where I remember as a kid rolling down this hill with another boy and just like almost having this orgasmic experience. The sun was beaming. I was just like having so much fun. And it was probably really, really strong. And my aunt was watching and she told my, my cousin was starting to come in. because She's like, that looks like so much fun. I want to roll with them. It looks so you know juicy, but without realizing it, right. As kids. And then my aunt, scolded my cousin like don't you dare and I remember hearing that voice going to me like oh my gosh like what am I doing is I'm am I doing something wrong so I just realized like yeah there's like this this power and at the same time there's all this messaging and all this inheritance and all these blocked energies because when you've been transgressed in some way like your body also gets some blockages so like I had to sort of figure out 
part of my curiosity and interest in sexuality was trying to figure out what's going on. Like, why am I feeling stuck in this internal bubble that just keeps on rolling on itself and I can't break free from it? That's why I was like, I was like, I really have to take on this conversation of sex. And the first time I decided to take it on in the blog, I remember it was like, I posted something and I literally like hid under my covers. I was so scared because I was, I was breaking like this generational pattern of not talking about sex and it being taboo and being proper. There was a proper around, especially my family, my mom, my mom's family. So it was like breaking out and then just having your colleague, you know, that don't necessarily talk about sexualities, maybe see what you're talking about. And I remember that edgy moment. And of course, as you do it, and as you break the ice, and as you get courage, you keep on doing it, you realize, wow, this is of service to so many people, like so many people are struggling and suffering around sexuality. And maybe they don't even realize they're suffering, they could be completely in their bubble thinking that everything's fine, but they're unconscious to what's happening to their bodies, to their energy and they're just letting it happen, but they think it's normal, but actually it's not a very empowered place to be. So there's so many things that need to be awakened around sexuality so that it's really comes into a place of embodiment where it feels powerful and good and nurturing. That was such a great story to hear. And it leads me into my next question for you, which is really about our disconnect from our sexual expression, from our sexuality, from the way that we show up in the bedroom. So I just want to hear more about what that disconnect really is and what that can look like. Because I wonder even if there are people listening who are like, well, what does that feel like? What does that look like? And am I there or, or am I past that? Well, if you think about it, just our daily lives, we go from here to there, we're doing so many projects, we can easily get disconnected from our bodies. So that's number one, then we can have different bad emotional experiences that we've accumulated in our life that disconnect us from wanting to feel or even wanting to feel in our bodies. So that could be another layer of disconnect. And then there's lots of programming that comes from family, from culture, from so many different places that then inform us in a way that we don't realize that we're going on this program. We don't realize it's not coming from the sovereign, independent, inspired place. It's coming from, I'm just doing the way it's always done. So disconnect. I was really curious about this because when I was writing my book, uh, Sex Up Your Life, I was trying to figure out how could I take on this big conversation of sex in a way that would give us access to it. Because I was like, there's so many experiences. There's these terrible, hurtful experiences on one side that can traumatize people and they can let 59 years old still be dealing with it, crying their eyes out because of it. And then there's like, people talk about it as being the most amazingly enlightening, ecstatic, beautiful, life-giving experience. And so like, how come the same thing could be such a wide spectrum? So that's when I decided to say, okay, well, if I look at sex and I try to take on like what's actually going on in the world with sex and I take the idea of connection, let me take all kinds of scenarios and just look what kind of connection is happening in the situation. So if you look at something as blatant as let's say rape, someone who's getting raped is probably very disconnected from their body. They might've left their body because it's their way of coping with the situation. They're not in their body. They're not consenting. So they're not in alignment with themselves and it's happening to them. So their willpower is completely taken away. 
So in this example, they are completely disconnected. Now there's milder forms of disconnect. You could be someone who's been used to being the person that is compensating for everyone. So let's say someone, and I have this in the chapter about sexual vampirism, maybe some people don't know how to take care of their self-care and they don't know how to replenish their energy forces or whatever or they have healing issues or some traumas they haven't taken care of, whatever issue it is, they're not functioning at an optimal place. So when they go and have sex with someone, they're kind of like taking sex. They're taking energy from that person. And the person could just be like in this dynamic where they're giving all their energy away. So this person who's giving all their energy away, they think they're in love or they think they're in a sexual situation that's nourishing for them. But in the end, They feel really shitty because they're like, whoa, who am I? Like, I just had sex with this person. I don't feel good. And then you kind of, it's like, well, it looked like the person was interested in me. Like I I wanted it. I thought I wanted it. And so it's like, okay, there's another level of consciousness and connection. And like, what is happening to my energy? And what's the other person's intentions when they're coming towards me? In the book, I talk about this whole lower spectrum where there's a lot of things that are unconscious. In these places, this is where a lot of the hurt and the pain comes from and the unconsciousness and the disconnect. So disconnect always breeds more disconnect. So let's say you're drinking a lot and you go have sex and maybe the sex you're having with whoever it turns out to be might not be something that's going to really nourish you, but you just, that's your habit and you just keep on doing it. And you, at one point you just kind of start feeling like, oh, well, who am I? And what am I doing? And who am I sleeping with? But there's a time when you start bringing more and more consciousness. And then there's a point where I flip from going from we're disconnecting and we're we're hurting ourselves unconsciously or consciously. And we're going towards like, okay, I'm, I'm deciding something really consciously. And the other person's coming with good intentions too. And then there's this whole new level. And then maybe we're going into more things around co-creation, for instance, where two people now are deciding to come together. It's not out of, I'm trying to take something from you and I'm connected to my body. So I can feel that you're coming with good intentions. I'm not un- unaware. And then you can be like, Hey, I'm just going to have physical experience with the person, or I'm going to bring in play and we're going to have fun and a bit more of our soul life into it. And then there's the actual co-creation where we're starting to move more and more energy that we start noticing that some more issues come up and we have to start dealing with them. And so sex then becomes this opportunity of growth. So the more you bring consciousness into this whole process, the more and more you're allowing yourself to what we call like integrate, allow yourself all these broken pieces that come from your childhood or from your culture or whatever, you just get to put them back together and it becomes this whole and this experience that's supportive and nourishing. And it can go up higher and higher, higher, depending on all the different layers of our beings, you know, as we're multidimensional beings, what we bring into this. There's honestly so much there that I'm really excited to get into. But I think what stood out to me the most in correlation to what you were sharing earlier about the family patterns and the programming that you have, I don't want to miss that note at all because I'm curious how our family patterns our programming on that sense is brought into our sex life. And I also want to hear too, like how you worked through that, because that seemed to be something that came to your consciousness. Like, Hey, I'm feeling, and I'm sensing shame. What is this? There's a block here. So yeah, I'd love to just hear more about what that, that is. So there's really two ways of looking at it. There's what happens when you bring this to the bedroom and you see dynamics play out like concretely, 
And then there's also the side of it where sex activates energy in your body and starts waking up in your body some of those places that are stagnant or asleep emotions that got stuck in there and it can start coming up. And that's when you can start having patterns show up. If you're not conscious about them, they start acting out in your life and you're like, suddenly, why is this happening in my relationship? But if we go to the first scenario, let's say you were in a family dynamic where there was, the father was more of a narcissist, let's say. Well, the daughter probably is always trying to connect with the father, always feeling like, how can I get their attention or their capacity to understand good like is them, let's say a narcissist is very manipulative. So if they grew up with a lot of manipulation, their boundaries around manipulations are probably not, if they haven't worked through it, they probably don't have their capacity to see it. So if you make sexuality in that, then it brings a whole other level of intensity when you're stuck with this pattern, right? So that's one example. If you have inherited from your parents or your mother, let's say that has a sexual block around something because of some trauma and you've inherited that, then maybe you're like, okay, I don't feel these orgasms. I don't know why it's just completely like numb down there. And I don't know why I didn't have any bad experiences myself, but maybe my mom did, or maybe my grandmother did. And it's just stuck there. And you have to sort of figure out how to move that energy. I want to ask you too, on that note, you're touching on intergenerational trauma. So how is that passed down? And how is that, you know, I guess I'm curious more about the science and psychology there. Yeah. So I think there's two ways that I've come to understand it. People describe it in the epigenetics where it gets encoded. It doesn't necessarily alter and say the DNA per se, but there's like these epigenetics where they form how the gene expresses itself. That would be one way of expressing it. I'm much more attuned to the more energetic understanding of it because I think that we are beings of constant energy and we can take on different belief systems. So it's like, there's a lot that happens with the mind and the mind and the breath and how it locks into the body. So you can pick up on very subtle things like subtle fears or whatever from your parents or subtle little things that just kind of inform your way of doing things. And it can be completely unconscious but the beauty of it is, and there's all kinds of different people working on these mindset kind of things like Joe Dispenza or whoever that help you take an idea and realize, okay, like I'm going to completely change my emotion around that, or you're going to reset yourself or people who work more with the chakras and the energy systems in the body and learn how to breathe through some of the stuff so you can break those energetic circuits in your body that are used to going a certain way, which might be, I'm going the trauma way. It's like, no, we're going to re-educate the body to go the heart-centered opening way. But these are very intellectual ideas. But when you actually start experiencing with exercises or breathing, or you're like, bingo, I just made a connection. Like, wow, I'm just repeating what my father did, or I'm just repeating what my mom did, or someone already explained this once to me. And I really adopted this as my way of seeing is that we're very much like magnets because we, we carry messaging and it has almost a frequency and then it attracts another person with the same frequency. And until you don't unlock that, you play out that little dance. Let's say you have, you have a family dynamic of narcissism in your family where you're going to attract the narcissist until you figure out how to unlock that. 
I don't just talk about the sexual problems like erections or pleasure because I think sexuality is, is a very big exchange of energy. So for me, it's much more than just the organs and the pleasure. That's just the tip of the iceberg. But when you really see what's going on, even just changing a mindset thing and opening up your heart suddenly, you could have a huge experience that might suddenly allow you to let the energy move through your body. If you look at Tantra, for instance, I always find that's the best way to explain it. For anyone who's in a little Tantra or if it's completely new, I'll try to explain it very quickly. But our body has different energy centers. And the practice of Tantra is to get acquainted with these energy centers so that you learn to open them more and more and more. So when you're having sex or even just meditative Tantra, some of it's sexual, some of it's not, but you're allowing the energy to go through. So you're allowing yourself to open up those energy centers that oftentimes through messaging, through bad experiences, shut down, they become less optimal. So what you're doing is always opening these places up. And when you bring the energy stronger and stronger through your body, you're also that energy, the sexual energy also wakes things up. So you're undoing things that you might not even be aware of, but it's lasting through things in your body. So it's this interesting thing that on one hand, it impacts the way sex is happening for you. But it also allows the energy that you start circling with sex also opens things up. But all this is so interconnected with all the patterns, all the mindset issues, all the things, the programming we have. The more we undo it, the more energy is free to circulate. They say that emotion is energy in motion. So when it gets trapped in the body, that's when your whole being is not at its optimal place. And we have multiple layers of all this stuff. So it's not one thing that you unblock and everything's fine. But, you know, I, I have interviewed in the book some people that have talked about these big cathartic moments where people who were completely frozen in some place in their life because of some trauma and then suddenly broke through that and the sensation came in and the feelings came in and the tears suddenly went out and then it allowed the body to purify itself of that trauma. And then suddenly that person's open to intimacy again and are open to being touched or open to experiencing pleasure. So it's just this really beautiful multidimensional thing that we have to get our minds around where sex is just really, on one hand, it's a tool to help you grow and integrate. And on the other hand, it's also a symptom of what's going on for you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for explaining that. It lights me up because it really just shares how interconnected on so many levels we are and the influence that our body and mind has. And it made me think too, as you said, it's not really about this one-time awakening. It's really the levels of awakening, which I love. And it makes it feel like a little bit more of a digestible process. Like if you're feeling an inkling of disconnect, it's not like you have to unlock some big secret. It's, it's, it's really about learning to follow your intuition. I'll give you an example. Like I was just, it was an experience I had recently with my partner and I said something to him that really hurt his feelings. And literally I felt his heart just go like this. It's like his heart was out and whatever I said, just pummeled him. And it, it's just like, I felt this energy go. <laughs> and I was like, wow, your heart just completely closed on me. <laughs> and, and he was aware of it too. And then just the fact that I addressed it, then it, hel it helped the energy move again. Because it was like, 
if I hadn't said anything, it would just be almost like, okay, well, I'm not going to trust that lady anymore. But it's like, okay, like, oh, I just felt that. Wow. I must've hurt you. Okay. Then he's like, okay, I can talk to her again. You know, it's like this space, but all these things play out and it's, it's a work in progress, especially when you have, depending on what you've come with, what kind of baggage you've had. I know that for me, it's been like a huge journey, even just really getting in touch with my pleasure, really allowing myself to feel like I can let go and let that energy come through me. Because I think there's like this big energy and I'm almost like so scared of it that I'm like, I can only let it in little doses. <laughs> it's just your teacher. It's There's always something that's going to reflect back to you. If you don't even realize it's your teacher, it's going to wake things up for you anyways. And the example I can give is you get into a relationship with someone, it's the honeymoon, start having sex. And then boom, first issues with that person comes up. It's because the energy started moving stuff and we play roles for each other, which is very subtle at very subtle levels. Things get sorted out. And until we don't figure out what the key is, we're stuck in that. And it can mean bankruptcy for the relationship. Or if we find it, it's like, boom, we opened up our consciousness to another level. Boom, we access more energy. Boom, it's a new level of depth to what we are and who we are in our relationship to the other person. You've given such amazing examples. And I wonder, because I'm still thinking back to that story you shared really about what that looked like for you and your generational lineage. What did that first block appear as that you really wanted to work through? Because I kind of want to share with people yes. that what th that beginning stage really feels like and what it can present as. The actual first post I made on a blog was this exact topic and it scared me to death to like publish it. But it was really this whole question of being feeling numb. So I was feeling numb and I was like, everyone talks about sexual lesbian sex as an amazing experience. And yet I feel like I'm never sure if that, was that the orgasm? Is that it? Or I'm so tight that I'm like, how can I let go? You know, and it just feels like over years and years and years of being super tight, then there's something that happens to your sensation, you know? So that was the first one I was like, okay, there's this numbness. I'm not even sure exactly I'm getting pleasure here. So that was my first number one. Then the second one was, geez, I am struggling with so many different relationships and relationships that I would attract men who would always try to push me into situations where I felt like my boundaries weren't being respected and didn't feel good about it. Or I was attracting different archetypes like the narcissist or the bully or this and that. And I was just like, my relationships were just putting me on edge. I was always like walking on eggshells and I was just, and I really somehow felt it had something to do with sexuality, but I just didn't know how. And that's when I was trying to bring it all together to understand how does this all play out? Like, why is this such a difficult topic for me? You know? And I figured, you know, if it's a big, difficult topic for me, it must be for so many other people. And it was interesting because I started doing my book before the Me Too movement came out. So I was just maybe three quarters finished when this whole thing exploded. I was like, oh my God, this was a sort of a, this cultural revolution happening in front of my eyes of people just stepping up and saying, hey, like this happened to me too. And I've talked to so, so many men that have said like, you know, all the women we've been with have had some sort of trauma, you know? So there's just so much trauma attached to sexuality because it was such a taboo topic and we didn't know about boundaries. We didn't know how to express what we needed. We didn't know how to express our our sexuality from these unconscious family lineages, you know, they didn't know how to deal with it because they didn't have the tools either. 
So I think some cultures may have more comfort with sexuality. I think the European cultures are much more comfortable, so and so forth. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, there's still a lot of things that have happened to people and a lot of disinformation or just the media portraying it in different ways. Or we all go to the grocery store and then we see all these things like how to get your three orgasms in a row or how to give the best blowjob and very performatory culture. So you always feel like, am I doing the right thing? thing or even the porn culture. So that's why I wanted to take all these big topics in the book, like porn, sex work, just all the big topics that we're dealing with as a society to understand like, what is our relationship to sexuality and why is it showing up this way? And why are we doing this? And why is the shame there? To like open it all up and say, okay, well, what's actually going on? You know, why are we doing this? Totally. And I think you bring up a really interesting point, which is what I just picked up was a bit that we're really at the forefront of this dialogue where we're getting on podcasts talking about this, where we're reading blogs and we're seeing media talk more and more and more. And when Me Too was a huge explosion that broke the ice, there's a lot of repairing to be done from what has been that lineage of shame. And there was absolutely not even the choice of possibility to have these discussions. So in a way, all of us are dealing with whether it shows up in our sex life, whether it just shows up in our work life, our relationships, etc. We're dealing with a lineage of history that's been buried so, so deep. And I wanted to ask you this because in a lot of the personal work that I've been doing, I remember this distinct feeling where I was like, this doesn't really feel like it's mine. There was a moment where I was like, okay, cool. I'm feeling X, Y, Z way, but I'm not really connected to it. I'm having this reaction. I'm having these sensations. I'm having this body experience, but it doesn't feel like it's mine. And that was the first moment where I was like, there's something deeper here. So I guess I kind of want to throw that back at you because you're nodding your head. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was my story with my grandmother, for instance. So I was like, okay, there's this numbness that I'm experiencing, but yes, okay, I've had this, this, this happen to me, but it still doesn't explain why I feel completely shut down. It feels like this is just like a little red flag, but it's not the whole picture. And that's when I kind of felt like, wow, like it's when I really started looking at my family lineage. And then I, because I was really doing this big cleanup job. I was like, okay, like, I'm like this inheritance of all these family lineages and there's areas of my life that are just not working. I really have to take this on. I have to bring my consciousness into it. I have to bring it out because if I don't, I'm going to still be stuck. And it was a huge cleanup job, just really finding all those lines and identifying all the dynamics, being able to overcome them, let them go, shed them, allow something new to come in. Like let's say I had, I did attract a few men that had a tendency, maybe controlling or things like that, or sabotaging me in different ways. I'm a strong woman, but I was, I didn't even realize this fully, but I realized as my relationships would progress with different people that, wow, like I thought I was this kind of gentle soul and everything. And then it, the men would be like, actually, I realized they were actually threatened by me. You know, I was like, wow, because I'm so like connected to my truth in a way. And if there's something that really doesn't feel right, like I'm like committed to it, you know? But then when I started clearing different things up and like really calling out okay, this dynamic in my family, this thing, this thing, this thing, I'm freeing myself from this. I'm making a new choice. Then you like, maybe you had like, you know, five or six relationships that had a similar pattern. You're like, oh my God, again. And then suddenly you open up like a new relationship and it's completely a nurturing, supportive, 
different relationship, you know, and you're like, okay, like I've progressed now, you know, but there's a real kind of like being, I know this was my journey. Like I really had to take it on. I had to really take it on and do the deep work, bring consciousness to it. And doing the book was part of my healing, having to take on and listen to so many interviews and process and understand like, oh, like that's what's going on for them. So all this allowed me to just really empower myself and to allow myself to create a whole new possibility for myself that wasn't available at the beginning. If someone's listening and they're doing this kind of deeper unlayering, if they are curious and interested to go into it, I kind of want to paint a picture about what the other side looks like. That co-creation bit, which I really want to hear a lot more of, and it's connected to that continuum that you brought up at the beginning, which is really the other side of that, which is the connected and intuitive side. So what is co-creation and how does that present? Well, first I'd like to say that we all come in with a different baggage, right? So we all have a family system. We all have to dismantle it to some degree to come to find our own freedom. And sexuality is deeply connected to this because it really is our life force. It's really our capacity to create. It's the life force that we have. So let's say we come in with 20 knots in our life forces because of all the things we inherited. Well, there's a process of untangling all those knots. So like sometimes whenever, whenever you like take on a knot, it's like you graduated. I really feel like as you go up in relationship, you're really graduating constantly, but it's really a graduation of consciousness and partner that you're with can graduate with you or you're graduating out of that relationship because that person is not willing to do that. So this is what co-creation is. A co-creation is there's this amplified energy happening between these two people because of the sexuality, because of the connection, because of the soul connection, whatever, there's so many things going on here. And then the sexual energy starts bringing up some of the stuff that we have to deal with to graduate. In a way, it feels like, and I've heard people say this before, where it feels like sometimes relationships that we enter, whether they're platonic, romantic, sexual, whatever, they're our tests. They're our growth. They're our mirrors and our reflections. And our friendships can do this as well. Sometimes we really have to graduate from some friendships. But the thing about intimate relationship, why it's so powerful is because of the sexual energy that gets amplifies it because sexual energy is an amplifier. And just like money is an amplifier. It, it doesn't necessarily come with a specific agenda, but it amplifies whatever's there. So sexuality will do that. So when you're engaging with your partner or with multiple partners, whatever you choose as your model, you're going to be confronted with yourself. You're going to be confronted with patterns of your partners. And you're going to have to sort of figure out what is that actual thing that's going to allow me to graduate? How do I take on ownership? How do I voice more? How do I open my heart more? How do I be in my power more? How do I have my intuition to know what's the right course to take, right? And the reason why I put this on the upper continuum of the sexual continuum, if we look at the first level, so it's the physical level. So learning to be embodied in your body, allowing yourself to feel pleasure. For instance, some people have been cut off from their body, so they can't feel pleasure. So that's the first step is learning just to be in your body. Then you bring in your playfulness and your creativity. And that's also the element of your sexual power too, right there. So what kind of issues did you have around play? Were you 
in a very strict environment where everyone was told to be a certain way or did you go to school that was like so formatting that you lost your playfulness and your creativity and your genius in a way, you know, then there's like the heart, you know, or even the power and the heart, the power part is like, are you, are you bringing in your full showing up? Are you a fly on the, on the wall? Are you the tango partner that's present? Are you asleep on the person dancing with them? Are you there? Are you fully engaged in this dynamic? Or are you just letting the person lead you and you're just following? Or are you there? Are you in your, your power? Then do you bring your heart in? Is your heart open? Because we, in our experiences in our life, we shut down our heart in so many different ways. So as I give the example with my partner, I just said something and his heart went, oh, you know? So our hearts are like these very sensitive pulsating things. And it's like, are you, is your heart open? Is it closed? Is it guarded? Is it have a wall around it? Some people complain about not having intimacy ever in their life, but they're so guarded and they don't know how to let down their guard to let someone in because it's so scary, right? And then the next piece that's attached to the heart is the capacity to speak your truth. Can you speak the truth of your heart? Can you name what's actually going on for yourself? Can you be transparent with another person? Were you made fun of when you were speaking up that you decided that you, you can't speak your truth and or you're never going to be heard? So again, I know that one of my big wounding was around speaking up. Because every time I spoke up, I had someone hitting on my head or made fun of me. So it was like, okay, like, can I fully express my unique nature and say what is needed and will I be received? So some people find extremely difficult even just saying the truth of their heart. That in itself is a huge healing piece that needs to be done. So the more you take on all these parts, like the physical body, your capacity to play, your capacity to be in your power, your capacity to open your heart and speak your truth. You're sort of setting yourself up for more and more integration, more and more capacity to be in yourself and aligned to yourself, which means you can allow for a person to be more and more aligned to themselves and be in relationship with them. There's a possibility now of that. Whereas you're coming from a place of destruction or disconnect, you're just going to attract someone else that's disconnected and then you're just going to do more harm to yourself, right? So there's this whole thing that's like the more you're fine-tuning yourself, the more you get to be with someone that's fine-tuning themselves. That's what I was about to just say a moment ago, which was that visual that you painted for us earlier. It's as you're doing that more awakening work coming into your your consciousness. It's not like you're working toward this one goal and then you'll get that one person, right? It's like, as you're working up, you're going to meet other people who are in that space too. You're always attracting the right person for the puzzle piece, you know, and then there might be a graduation that happens. But in that moment, you need to figure out what is it and what is it that I need to do to unlock it, let's say. So it's it's a real fascinating process that allows us, it's, it's, that's when you really have a perfectly intertwined with our consciousness the more that we're attuned to what we're carrying what's showing up and how it's showing up in our sexuality the more we can actually work with it the things to look for are really our programming what we inherited from our family systems what we inherited from our culture from our religions um, all these big things that kind of inform us that really might not serve us our, our real essence or maybe stifling our real essence and we need to break free from those things so that all these beautiful things like the heart 
can be fully engaged again, or just your, your honoring of self, your self honoring, be present in your relationship. How many relationships do people endure things in relationships where they they're accepting things that are not good for them and they feel like they have to be in this dynamic, you know, but the beautiful thing too, is that we're seeing more and more conscious relationships and they're really exciting to watch. We're kind of in this whole creation, like people are creating beautiful things and taking on responsibility for themselves and wanting to work on it. And then say, Hey, we want to maybe do a bigger project together. Maybe you want a family or maybe we want to build something together. And then sometimes it's like, well, we don't want to fully do that. This was good for this moment and we want to move on. But it's like there's a kind of awareness more and more people have. Something that I was learning in, it's called It Didn't Start With You. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's an intergenerational trauma book. And I'll link it in the show notes here. But one of the biggest things that helped me, and I just want to share this with listeners too, because it reminded me as you were saying this about what are some of the keys that can kind of unlock some of this. And everybody's key looks different because everybody has a different assignment. A big thing that helped me that was spelled out in this book was about figuring out what your core language is or what your core family language is. So what are some of those like hardened beliefs that you believe are true for yourself. For example, I'm always alone or money doesn't grow on trees. That's a big family saying. So what are those kind of beliefs that you've formed for yourself or around your family? And I think kind of reverse engineering that can be really helpful. And you can get like things of like, wow, like I'm not the pretty one or I'm not attractive or I'm never going to be successful or whatever it is. And then you realize it's just the conditioning from whatever environment you were in and you can completely change all that feeling about yourself but it takes courage it takes courage to cut with some of the things that you could harp over forever you know I know that there's issues in my family if I wanted to I could stay connected to those things and feel like I'm a victim and and be upset about it forever forever and I could still be angry with it but you there's also this period where you have to really let go and let things go so that you can give yourself the space to really become what you want to become and stop playing out that role that you were assigned. I mean, the assignment is different. Like in your context, you said like it's a bigger, it's a big assignment. Like what does your soul want to do to become? But sometimes we have little assigned roles in our family that are not fun and we have to graduate from those, you know. The way that those roles are inherited sometimes can cloud what I believe is our authenticity trying to come through. And it's when we can push and peel back those layers that allows our true selves to come through, not the lineage of stories, not the baggage of stories. And then because we're operating out of a more authentic place, that allows you to be more authentic sexually. Like that is in a way, actually, I don't know if our authenticity is different from our sexual expression. Like I think they're one in the same. I think we've like made the idea of sexuality so taboo, but it's really, like you said, I'm so stuck to this image that you just said earlier, which is that our sexuality is our life force. Why have we separated that? What's the easiest way to control someone if you control their sexuality? Because you're controlling their life forces, right? you get someone addicted to something or you get them or you manipulate them, then you can do all kinds of things with them. So you can get them to buy all kinds of products or you can get them always like the hamster running after the carrot or something. (laughs) It just creates you perpetually being unhappy with yourself. 
So that's a huge one, breaking free from all the belief systems that keep you in a place of dissatisfaction, of unhappiness, of feeling not good enough. Those things, like those are all those core things that, you know, you have to break free from to get to this place of that inner peace, which reflects then in all kinds of different areas. And the sexuality is your life force. So basically it's, it's almost like, you know, if it's functioning well, it's, if you're tuned to it, life is, is this vibrant stream with all kinds of little lights, you know, sparkling on the water, you know, that's, that's sexuality. It's like that water coming through and making everything alive and yeah, giving life. But at the same time, you can also be stuck and and it could come from all kinds of things. But that's the goal is to get to this place where you don't act out of the programming that you've received. Like if I go back to that, you weren't the pretty one. Maybe really your real essence is that you're most attractive person that people just love. But like the programming in this kind of context, everyone thinks you're despicable and you know, not the pretty one and you're this and this and not smart. And suddenly when you take shed all that stuff out, you're like, wow. And that person has an experience of like who their real essence is. And it's like, they can have all those beautiful experiences that are just waiting in store for them. If they get through the doors of letting those things go. So if I'm somebody who is just, really interested in kind of unlocking those portals, where do you believe that we should begin doing this work? Many different modalities go about it in different ways. You know, really the objective that you want to be doing is you want to bring consciousness, but also you just want to be moving the energy so that it doesn't get stuck. And some people choose Tantra, some people use going to see a therapist, some people, you know, there's so many different types of ways of going about doing this. I personally love using the creative outlet because I feel sexuality and creativity are so interconnected. I I personally will do also some some sessions with people one-on-one and do it more at that, you know, the energy level of like finding some of the issues, connecting to it, releasing them. But I love as it's more directed for me, but I love the creative process because it emerges from the person. And I love guiding groups of people through different themes and then themes come up and they have to speak about them and they have to let their creative come through them. Just like their sexuality, they have to let it happen to have, they have to let that energy move through them. So I love like that aspect of getting people a little bit in the court with the creativity and then having the courage to speak up about some of the stuff. And that actually allows the energy to move, you know, And I've seen many people go through cathartic experiences because of that, because of the creative process. And it could be like writing poetry or speaking it or different kinds of scenarios. I know some other people who work with painting or do different stuff like that. But there's something that, you know, we need to get things moving, basically. And that's one thing I, I find really fun is when we're actually discovering not just our sexuality, but we're discovering, oh, like this whole creative force. It's like way beyond even just the the actions of penis and vagina, as some people call it. It's like, wow, I can be like, my, all this, my creative sexual energy could be creating this and that project and this, but it's like this kind of like magical force, you know, that you're activating. So 
it's really beautiful when you see people step into things that they didn't even realize they're capable of doing. So I just kind of find it fun to mix waking up our sexuality with other kinds of modalities, like even like creative work or even doing the, the consciousness work where you're sort of identifying, okay, these are my blockages. Okay. Are you ready to let that go? Make that decision. It's really comes down to a decision and sometimes working in a bit of a sacred container, a spiritual kind of space. It just kind of creates that amplified energy. So that person sometimes will cry or sometimes we'll, we'll just find the right thing that bursts the bubble, you know, or I've been also in some meditations where people are just giving meditations and you're like zonked out because whatever the meditation is doing, is going so deep that's allowing you to break free from some of these stuff. So I feel like there's so many different avenues and the important thing is just to know that it's a creative thing. It's our life force. So there's not one specific way. Yeah. I love that. When you were saying all that, it reminded me of ways that I feel like I unlock that possibility for myself and it's a lot through play. So I think I remember I kind of had this aha moment a few years ago where I was like, I really want to get back into some of the things that gave me utmost joy as a kid. And how does that translate into my adult self? And so it's a lot about, like you were saying, like getting creative for no other objective than just being creative or being outside and playing games. And it feels very youthful to say that, but it's that energy is so uplifting. And I felt that really connected a lot to my own sexual experience too. Yeah. I remember I went down to this conference and hot the hive was in California. I forget exactly the exact location of it, but we did this workshop on sex and play. And I think people came because they thought there was going to maybe be some actual sexual play, but we didn't do any sexual play. It was really for them. It was like, we had like maybe two hours, but it was full. It was like packed with people who came and we just got them to enact different mating kind of rituals of different animals and we would call different animals out and they had to like be in partners and do this and it was like we went from like zero connection in the room to like people laughing and connecting and we're like you see that creative process just allowed all the energy to come in and allowed us to break out of our little like molded this is how we are kind of we have to look good no it's like letting loose and allowing yourself to yeah, be playful. And what kind of relationship doesn't get benefit from like a little bit of play and getting to laugh and breaking like whatever stagnant kind of dynamics existing, you bring a little play and it's like, okay, there's a new possibility in this relationship, right? Oh my gosh, there's so much goodness here. I feel like we could talk for for so long, but as we're wrapping up, I really want to ask you about what you believe on a, a larger level, what you believe a healthy, I sometimes even stray away from the term healthy because that kind of looks different for everybody, but what a successful or healthy sexual life or expression looks like. Like, what does that mean for you in an overarching sense? Well, first of all, I think the first thing is, are you speaking your truth in the relationship? You know, whether it's like you're actually enjoying yourself or not, you know, are you able to be fully transparent with what you're experiencing. And I think that means that there's going to be moments where you feel like having sex. And then sometimes you might not want to have sex. A healthy relationship for me would be there's enough space for all this to happen. There's enough space to have these conversations. There's enough space 
to maybe sleep in different rooms one night. And then the next day it's like, okay, we're going to be together on this night. You know, I think there's room for being courageous and try new things and being, yeah, being yourself. The more someone feels like they're at peace and alignment with themselves and feel good and refreshed and the other person can meet them in that space and that there's room for speaking, there's room, there's no eggshells, you know, or you're, there's enough space for all of that. And people are just like in their process of becoming. It made me think too, like maybe we can get better. Everybody can get better at kind of dropping their own expectations and stories around what sex can be and how it should be and how often it should be. And can we just drop into that moment of co-creation with someone where there is no timeline and there is no agenda and it is coming from that place of authenticity? Exactly. Like, that in itself is this journey, you know, how do you get more and more authentic with yourself? And is there a partner on that journey too? And they, can they receive it? And, but that's the whole period. It's like, you know, having that space to, to work through these things and feel like, wow, we're also, we're connect, we're, we're committing to like this work so that we're not just going to drop ourselves on like, if something doesn't work like we want it to work, but we're going to be like, okay, there's space enough to work through this. <laughs> wow. Well, Julie, this was an amazing conversation. I feel like people are going to take so much away from this. And I just want to thank you so much for your just openness and wealth of wisdom and just your own authenticity shining through. So just thank you so much for coming on the show. And please tell us where we can connect with you and just hear more of your work and, and what you do. Sure. Well, here, I'll just give you a little, I, I love the cover, so I love showing it. <laughs> it's a great cover, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it like, has this punch to it, right? Um, but you can definitely get uh, Sex Up Your Life on Amazon or on any other platform. And you can also, I think they, you can order them in any bookstore through Ingram, Ingram catalog. So that's one place. A lot of people get a lot out of reading this book. So I really recommend reading that because I think there's like a lot of substance to it. And we go from completely disconnected sex to very connected sex. So everything, like I say, sex workers, porn, uh, sexual vampirism, all the way up to play, kink, all that we cover everything in this book. So I think it's a really good place to start. And it kind of allows you to just start seeing in yourself, oh, I have that there or like, Oh, I have this issue here. Like, Oh, I feel uncomfortable with that. And then the second thing is we have what we call the co-creative incubator, which is like, we bring in a bunch of people together who are committed to like take on the work in the book, but we put them in this kind of different creative exercises. It's online and it's in a group and it's really great for people who are ready to start noticing where the hot spots are for them. So they can start dissolving them and feeling more free. And then they can also work with me one-on-one. -on -one. So you can go to my website, cocreativesex.com. And uh, you're welcome to have a private session with me. I usually work in packages just because it's better to have a bit more work over time than just one shot because you get you see more you know, of the impact of working on all these different issues. But I usually work with five big themes when I work with my clients. So the first one's being, how do you feel with safety? security in yourself and your body, emotional, spiritual, all those different levels. And then how do you feel like with the play, sexuality, creativity? How is that working in your life? Then we look at the power center, 
what's going on? Do you, are you scared to show up? Do you hide? Do you need to control people to feel powerful or do you let yourself be controlled? I look at all that, what plays out in that area. Then we look at the heart. Like we say, how much protection do we have? How much we're open, capable of opening and closing, depending on our needs. And then the self-expression piece. So I try to get all those levels kind of addressed because I feel like those are the main pillars that allow you to then show up in a relationship, in sexuality, in a way that feels good. Amazing. That's great to hear. And I'll link everything down in the show notes and just to kind of echo what Julia was saying, if you're really loving this conversation and just wanting to get more into the nitty gritty of it all, really go check out her book. It is phenomenal. It is such a good read. It is just an amazing tool for part of the process. So yes, I'll, I'll link all of those resources below for everybody to go check out. But Julie, thank you so much for coming on today. This was a great conversation and yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you as well for giving me the opportunity and for bedside. I love, I love what you're up to. So it's really awesome. And I I really sense that you're a very creative person. So it's really inspiring to see what you're up to too. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the bedside podcast. If you liked this episode and want to follow along with similar stories and interviews, be sure to check out our Instagram at the bedside and thebedside.co online. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and of course, share with your friends. It's the best way you can support us and our good sex mission. Thank you for listening.